months to make a decision. And you can get stuck in your head, running through all the different scenarios, the pros, the cons, the what ifs. And then there is that middle ground. And twice this week, I've been faced with a middle ground decision. I'm gonna tell you the stories and then I'm gonna tell you why I'm telling you the stories. This week, um, I had a lovely man, Peter, he's, I think he's gone out with kids. Uh, Peter came to help do some work on my house again. And uh, he's a very generous guy with his time and his energy. And he's done a wonderful job. And I'd been working hard and I'd been painting and he'd been building. And uh, I was on the way to, to meet Vladimir in the gym. If you want a, a bad decision, that was a bad decision. To train with this guy. <laughs> it's good fun. But as I was on my way, uh, I was driving up the road, just a local road. And my car was hit. On the side, I was just driving along about 15 miles an hour and somebody pulled out and just hit the side of my car. I wasn't hurt, don't, don't worry about any of that. But it's caused a great big dent and lots of scratches up and down the side of my car. And you know, that was one of those moments where you actually do have a split second to decide what kind of man am I going to be today? How am I going to react to this? I love that car. Somebody gave me that car as a gift. That car was an answer to prayer. That car was almost symbolic of God's provision, me coming to Basildon. This is important to me. I mean, it's also a piece of tin with four wheels, right? But it's important to me. But I had a split second from when the impact came to getting out of the car. Do you know you have to go and exchange details? Do you know when I got out of the car, I was a woman by herself. She had two small children in the car, a dog who was sick in the back. And the reality is, is that those were the circumstances that caused her to hit my car. She was distracted, okay? And she admitted fault straight away. But I decided in that split second to be kind, to be gentle, to not be angry. I was, if I'm honest. I felt hard done by. This was going to probably be okay. I've got insurance. She'll have insurance. But in my reaction to her, I was going to be kind. And when I saw her face to face, I was glad I made that decision. Let's fast forward to, to yesterday. <clears throat> Any football fans in the house? Just before 5 p.m. last night, it looked like my mighty Bristol City had guaranteed their playoff spot. We were 1-0 down in the first half, playing a rubbish team from Wigan. They're fighting for relegation. We're fighting for promotion. And we fight back 1-0. 2-1, that's it, we've done it. We're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to go to Wembley. We're going to have an almighty season. And obviously next year, we would be beating Spurs in their stadium. But no, disaster strikes. 90 minutes plus four. I don't know where they got the four from, but 90 minutes plus four. One of their players elbows one of our, it's very unfair, it should have been disallowed, but he elbowed one of our players in the head. He fell down, he was hurt, he was injured. There was a bit of a scramble in the boxing. Disaster. Wigan scored their equaliser. Two points dropped against a rubbish team. I have a split second to decide how I'm going to react. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. <laughs> What a stupid thing to do. I, kicked, I, I sit behind a wall, just a little kind of barrier to stop us falling onto the pitch. And I kicked the wall in front of me. I was angry. Genuinely, I just kicked out. And I kicked the wall. And I got genuinely upset. And then I remembered. I mean, there is a famous quote about this. It is just a game, right? And there's a famous quote that says, it's not life or death. It's more important than that, right? <laughs> But you have these decisions throughout your life where you sometimes don't have a choice. You don't have any time to process. Sometimes you have a split second to process and decide what kind of person you're gonna be. And sometimes you can have hours, days, weeks, months. You know, those longer decisions that we make. Do you know, looking at you lovely faces in here, I am certain, in sure and certain hope, don't we, we have in Jesus, that in those long-term decisions, you would all make kind decisions, gentle decisions, godly decisions. I would hope that when you have a choice, when you have that split second 
to choose. How are you going to react? What kind of person are you going to be? I would hope that you would also choose a kind and gentle response. Here's the question. I don't want an answer. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't want to see you differently. You should pray for yourself. I'll pray for you. Do you know when you react? If I got angry at something, if I got upset at something, if I decided to be mean in a split second when I didn't have time to process, do you know what that tells you? It tells you what's in my heart. That doesn't tell you about my brain or my thought process. That tells you what's inside. If I don't have time to process, if I don't have time to choose my reaction, you're going to get the truth. Who is Ricky really? He's a football fan for a start. Probably too passionate a football fan. But is he a kind man? Is he a gentle man? Is he, does he have self-control? Maybe not as much as I should have done. Last week we talked about branches, didn't we? Romans 10 and 11, we talked about how the Jewish nation, Israel, had been chopped off. And we, the Gentiles, had been grafted back on. You remember I said we had a choice to be obedient and we could stay grafted on or to be disobedient and run the risk of being chopped off as well, ungrafted if that's a word. We know that God is a God of multiplication, right? You read it all throughout the Old Testament, it's promised to Abraham. In the literal sense, I will give you multiple nations, your offspring will be like the stars. We look at the New Testament and say, okay, we give Jesus our rotten old lives, right? My life was rotten and old. It's full of sin, pain, heartache. I give him my rotten old life. And in return, he gives me eternal life, a clean life, a fresh start, a whole new heart, a whole new mind. I could give you literally hundreds of examples of how God is a God of multiplication. When Pastor Raj was here for Power and Presence, we met on the Friday night, we had some uh, fish and chips because, you know, he's a foreigner and we have to teach him about our cuisine, right? I wish we had a better national dish than fish and chips. But we took him for fish and chips and, and he was talking to me about, about the ministry in, in, as a whole, not just his ministry, not just this ministry, but all ministry. And he said, you know, Ricky, it occurs to me when you look at Jesus with the feeding of the 5,000, three things. I think you were there when, when you heard this, right? He said, three things occurred to me. First of all, what that little boy had was enough. Five loaves, two fish. What he had was enough. It didn't look like enough. It wouldn't have felt like enough. No one else would have believed it was enough, but it was enough. He said, the second thing that occurs to me is that he gave it all. Everything, didn't he? He just passed it on to the disciples and he went, that's everything I've got. It's not enough. It doesn't look like enough, it won't be enough, but it's all I've got, it's yours. And then Jesus gave one instruction, didn't he? This was, I made me cry when he told me. I've never seen it like this before. Do you know what we had to do? Do you know what those 5,000 had to do? Sit down. That was it. Sit down. God's going to bring the miracle, right? He's a God of multiplication. So what's, why are we talking about branches and multiplication? Because I want to talk to you today about fruit. I'm going to talk to you today about the fruits of the Spirit, right? We all know the song. Do we all know the song? I have a feeling if Pastor Raj was here, we'd be singing that song right now. He'd be sat in his box. Did you all see the video on Facebook? Do you know the song? Am I talking alien here? Love, joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Do you not know this song? Hilary, you must know this song. Oh my goodness. We might have to sing this song. Do we all know the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. Come on, join in. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Gentleness and self-control. These are the few miserable bunch. These are the fruits of the spirit. I'm not going to press you. 
You'll find it in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And if you're walking close to God, these fruits will grow in you. And you'll have love, joy and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. We're going to talk about trees, we're going to talk about fruit. Think about this really simple imagery. I used to talk to my youth club about this. I'm not a gardener, as many of you know. Thank you for all your help in my garden. I appreciate that. And Peter's garden. Sorry about the lawn again. Um, (laughs) If anyone knows how to bring a lawn back to life, I'd appreciate your help. But think about this simple imagery. If you had a, a potted plant, there's pretty much only one thing we have to do to keep it alive. We have to water it. Would we all agree? Yes, you can get technical. I'm sure you have to prune it and put special magic soil in there and I don't know, it doesn't matter. I don't know how these things work, but I know you have to water them. So what would happen if you didn't water your potted plant? It would die. Let me ask you a different question. What would happen if you had your potted plant and instead of going to the tap with your watering can and you filled it up with water, you went to your car and you filled it up with petrol and you came back and you watered your plant with petrol? instead because it makes your car go really fast it would die if you feed yourself nothing of the spirit you will die if you feed yourself of the wrong spirit you will die it's as simple as that Jesus had some stuff to say about this in the Sermon on the Mount, I could have read you the whole thing, I'm not going to, I'm just going to focus in on two things. It says, true and false prophets, true and false disciples. This is only one element that, man, I could preach to you for days on stuff like this. But watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? I ain't no gardener, but I know you don't. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. It goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, Only the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name drive out demons and in your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. True and false prophets, true and false disciples. So I say to you today, the challenge, I'm going to work through these now and break them down a little bit for you, is to search your heart, search your your insights for this. Because if you water yourself with these things, with the Holy Spirit, then even when you don't have a choice to make that decision, we'll know that what is inside is good. If you feed yourself the wrong things, bad teaching, greed, maybe it's business, maybe it's that. I came out of the business world recently and every meeting I ever had was about how to make more money. You feed yourself with that constantly, that's going to start coming out, right? Maybe it's bad movies, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's, in the old days it was rock and roll, but you listen to the radio now even before the watershed, some of the language, some of the, the lyrics of some of the songs are horrific, horrific. And you wonder why when you have a car accident, you want to get out of the car and punch this guy in the face. You've never punched a guy in the face ever in your whole life because that's not who you are. Why? Because the songs that you've been listening to talk about punching people in the face. Why do you, when you see a young girl who's an innocent young girl walking on the street, do you think of her undressed or think about doing things to her? But that's not you, that's not your character. That's not, that's, you wouldn't do that. So why do you think it? Well, because on that movie you watched last night, that's what happened. Be careful what you feed yourself, guys. 
Be careful what you feed yourself. It will change you from the inside out. If you think back to what I said about God being a multiplier, if you think that what we give God, he multiplies through us and to us, for us, that's beautiful. How much more will it be multiplied what he has planted in us? He has given us many, many gifts, but the greatest gift of all was the great helper, right? The Holy Spirit. So when he invests the Holy Spirit in you, imagine how much greater the multiplication is. Love, joy, and peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. I can't actually list them without saying that bit at the end because of that song was drilled into me as a boy. It is part of the, it is part of the scripture. It's okay. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. You'll never forget it now. You're going to be humming that song all afternoon. And I'm pleased because that's what you need. So what's love? True biblical love is a choice. It's not a feeling. Just let that sink in for a second. Because I bet all of you that have been feeding yourself with movies and love songs and pop songs and Shakespeare and literature, you all think love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. You choose to love somebody. When that woman hit my car this week, I chose to love her. I chose to love her by getting out of the car kindly, gently, softly. My first question was not, what have you done, you stupid woman? My first question was not, were you not looking? Why did you do this? You've just ruined my day. My first question to her was, are you okay? Are you hurt? Don't be upset. These things happen. You're gonna be okay. I saw the children in the back of the car and my heart broke and I said, are they okay? And she said, oh, they were crying, they were screaming, I'm having such a bad day. So just okay. Are they okay? We can do this later. We've got all day. We can exchange details. Your husband can ring me later because that's what she kept on saying to me. It was because it was his car and she was insured to drive. You know, there was in that moment everything just pours out, right? And I just thought I can sort my car out later. That's it's a piece of tin. It's important to me, but it's a piece of tin. So in that moment, she was. Love is a choice, not a feeling. For instance. I pulled this off the internet earlier on. A mature believer demonstrating love will not exercise his or her freedom if that action might harm another Christian in some way. We live in a right society, okay? We all have our rights. Do you know that one of the worst rights we have is the right to express exactly how we feel? Because you, you, you said, did, didn't do, didn't, and it made me, me, me. It made me feel angry, it made me feel abandoned, it made me feel hurt. And because of those things, I have to tell you. I have to put you in your place. I have to tell you how you made me feel. Well, rubbish. Tell Jesus how you feel. You have a choice. When somebody wrongs you, you have a choice. Shouting at them ain't going to make you feel any better. It might, momentarily. Kicking that wall did not suddenly get Bristol City two more points in the championship. Hurt my foot a little bit. Was an expression of my frustration, but it didn't change the outcome. Love is a choice. Do you know, it's just occurred to me now, I don't know where it is in the script, I know roughly where it is, but I couldn't quote it. Where it says, love other Christians, probably even more so than everyone else, right? Do you know that, that bit? To show more favour. I'll find it later for you, I'll share it on Facebook later. But this goes on to say, it's a lovely explanation, I think I got it off Christianity.com. It says, rather than risking the possibility of causing the immature Christian to question and to stumble. The mature believer will not exercise their freedom out of love for their brother or sister. I, went, I mentioned it last week, didn't I? Which is why it jumps off the page in me. So can you imagine how you would feel if you said, did, reacted in a certain way which caused a new believer to stumble 
if that happened to me, I, I, I'd, be, I'd be so cross with myself. I'd be so disappointed that I chose the wrong thing and it would cause somebody else to suffer. Do you know, I, I looked at two things. I looked at the dictionary definition. Two, I love doing that. Secular work, but it, it helps us understand the words. Do you know, the definition in the dictionary about love is an intense feeling, I don't necessarily agree with that, but of deep affection. This is what you're being told. That love is a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is a reaction. You can choose to love your enemy. Why? Because Jesus told you you could. You choose to fill yourself with love. Wake up tomorrow. Leave here today. Choose love. Joy. Love, joy, and peace. Right. Joy. Gladness and delight. <clears throat> Open brackets. Not happiness. Close brackets. If you want to pursue happiness, there was a Will Smith film about that a few years ago, wasn't there? If you want to pursue happiness, you're going to be pursuing happiness for the rest of your life. And on your deathbed, I will visit you and you will tell me how you failed. Because you will never be happy all the time. It's a physical impossibility. Some people who have the most privileged lives and most content lives are not happy 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I can think of one reason for that at least, and that's because the world's full of other people, right? <laughs> the world is full of heartache and selfishness. And, and we were doing alpha, Tim's not here, he won't mind me sharing this. We, we talked about why, how do we feel about it when bad things happen? And in my head, what I meant to say was, how do we feel when evil things happen? And Tim was a very wise man. He said, you know, there's, there's two things to this. The first is, when I hear about somebody who does something wrong, a murderer, that gets me so angry. And I know how I should feel about that. And I'm okay with that. I can't justify it. But he said, then there's this other thing where I hear about a volcano or a natural disaster, a tsunami, an earthquake. But I don't quite know how to feel about that because there wasn't somebody to blame. Okay, so if we just pursued happiness our whole life, you're going to fail because of Tim. No, uh, because of earthquakes, okay? You're going to fail because sooner or later somebody you love is going to die. Because at some point or another in your life, your health will fail. Your beauty will fade. <clears throat> I'll let you know what happens to me. Okay? But if you pursue happiness your whole life, you will fail. Gladness and delight. It is a feeling of gladness based on your circumstances. Sadly, the world's joy cannot last because it is based on fleeting physical circumstances. Today I'm rich. Today I have a beautiful girlfriend. Today Bristol City won, two, one. No, they didn't, they drew two. Okay, it's a fleeting moment. Do you know, when we scored our second goal and went into the lead, my uncle who stands next to me was celebrating. I couldn't celebrate with him because if I did, I knew I'd cry. How stupid is that? It's a football game. It's a football game. But I was overwhelmed with momentary happiness. It was soon gone. <laughs> Thanks, ref. Peace. Dictionary definition, sorry, of joy. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. I'd go with that. Peace. Well, it seems a bit stupid, doesn't it, standing here in 2019 talking about peace. Talking about peace. You switch on one news channel, you hear about a mosque that was attacked. Hundreds shot dead. Innocent men, women and children. Australia, right? That happened recently. Outrageous. Outrageous. Terrorism. No form of terrorism is good. What you don't hear about or read about, if you follow some of the Christian news channels, you will, is that that happens every day in churches. Probably happens in Islamic State countries too. I'm not, I'm not saying our pain and grief is harder than their pain and grief, because that's also a sadness, right? That we somehow, somehow get territorial. You know, my pain is somehow greater than your pain. A dear friend of mine who, who 
guys I've met very briefly. She came to my setting in <clears throat> when we were young. She was a Christian. She's a, a delightful Christian girl. You know, she did it right. She was a kid in a church, got baptised by the time she was 11, never stepped foot. Just annoyingly good Christian, right? We all know her. She was an annoyingly good Christian. And, and she confessed her sin to me one day. Oh, brace yourself, guys. It's a bad one. She said, I was on holiday and I heard about a family who had an accident out in the ocean and it, and it died. I said, oh man, that, that sucks. She said, yeah, it didn't really affect me though. I was sad, I, I said a quick prayer for them and I went back to enjoy my holiday. Well, later on in the day, I found out that family was British. Here's my sin, I cried. Because suddenly, somehow, that pain became a little bit closer to home. It became a little bit more real for her, because they were British. Well, that evening, she found out that not only they were British, but they were Jesus-loving Christians. She wept for hours. No one else died. The situation didn't get any worse. Her perception of the situation got worse. Switch on a music video, switch on a film, <clears throat> visit every family home I've ever been into. Talking about peace in 2019 sounds a bit stupid, right? Everybody seems to have somebody in their family they've lost touch with. Everybody seems to have somebody on the street that they don't talk to. Everybody has a, an employer that they left for wrong reasons. Peace is not necessarily the opposite to war. Peace is something in your heart. Peace is something that's inside you. You can choose peace. I don't want to run out of time, but I do want to tell you this. I, I almost played you a song. Do you know that song? It is well, it is well with my soul. Oh, did I ever tell you the story behind how that song was written? Some of you may know this. There was a man living in England and he decided he would move his family to, I think it was America. But he couldn't leave straight away, but his wife and his children could. His wife and the children boarded the boat and they travelled across the sea. There was a storm. This story always upsets me. It's a true story. There was a storm and the ship sank. The ship sank. His wife survived. His daughters did not. They rescued his wife, brought her home, she told her husband. They sat together that evening and wrote at him, it is well with my soul. You've just lost your children when you should have been on that boat with them. Their choice, it is well with my soul. Maybe we could sing that song. Not necessarily today, I don't want to put people under pressure, but they made a choice. Peace is not the opposite of war. Peace is a decision that you make. The dictionary definition of peace is freedom from disturbance. I like that tranquility. I feel at peace when I'm by water. I shared that with you last week, right? I can go to South End or I can go to Egypt. It doesn't matter where I am. As long as I can see water and God's power in the waves, then I feel at peace. It's a feeling of tranquility. Or it can be a mental or emotional calm. I know people in our church here, in our family, that need to realise that peace in their heart, their mind. We need to come to terms with that mental or emotional calm. Well, so far we're using words, aren't we? Love, joy and peace. That they all appear to be what we would have described before today as our feelings, right? Buckle up. Patience. Love, joy, and peace. Patience. Well, if we haven't got peace in 2019, we definitely haven't got patience. Every conversation I have, whether it's going out for lunch, whether it's meeting up for a coffee, whether it's planning, I don't know, not to pick on anyone, kids' work, home groups, family service, who's going to do worship next week, who's going to write the, the whatever, who's going to do this, who's going to go there. 
Everybody's so busy, aren't they? Everybody is so busy. I see parents. Parents seem to have a natural inclination, don't they? It's not foolproof. <laughs> you fall short occasionally. But this natural inclination to be able to put up with your kids' rubbish more than any other human being on the planet. Because they peck your head, right? I see it. I come to your houses for dinner. <laughs> Even when they're 22, right? And they, 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 they talk and they moan and they whinge and they bicker and they do 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 and they go bonkers because whatever. You fed them one smarty 10 years ago and they're still getting over the E numbers, okay? But parents, you just, you're wonderful. Grandparents are even better. But you're just wonderful. You have this natural inclination to be patient. I wish you could show me the same level of patience. I mean, I don't go bonkers when I have E numbers. I love E numbers. I eat them all the time. And lots of sugar, too. But are we patient with one another? Are we patient with those outside the church? If somebody comes to you and gets frustrated, beautiful story, a couple of years ago I was in an Aldi queue, you know an Aldi, the guy is zipping the stuff across the till, have you ever shopped in Aldi? I used to shop in Sainsbury's, I don't have as much money anymore so I have to go to Aldi, okay? They have nowhere for your food to go, they don't pack it for you, you just have to like zip it into a bag and you have to be like light speed to be able to do it, right? So imagine this, the bachelor, me, was there with my week shopping in my hand basket. Took me two seconds, because I know exactly what I buy, I buy the same thing every week. Straight behind the till, I'm ready to go. This is gonna take me no more than 10 seconds, I've got it down to a T, I even line it up on the belt in the right order. Put your frozen stuff at the bottom, put your fruit and vegetable on top, it keeps it nice and fresh in the car, you see. Second bag, you put your tins in first because then the heavy bits at the bottom, the light stuff at the top, you put your loaf of bread on top of the beans, right? So you've got your setup, we've all got our system. There was a lady in front of me who, I'm not kidding, must have had 17 children. Okay, because there was one on that wheel, there was one in the basket, there was one on her head, one on her back, one somehow like dragging her leg along. Every single one of them was screaming in what seemed like different languages. It was just insane. Do you know, in that moment I had to make a choice. I could, like everyone else in that supermarket, huff and puff at the noise, or I could put my basket down and load her shopping onto the conveyor belt for her then pack her shopping at the end. Do you know who she saw that day? Because she damn sure didn't see Ricky Harvey. She saw Jesus that day. Can you imagine if I'd done the other thing? Would she have known that that was still Jesus? I confessed to sin earlier this week. I used to get quite mad when I was driving my car. Especially when people cut you up and do silly things in front of you. And it suddenly occurred to me one day that everyone seems to have these dash cameras these days, right? And how annoying would it be if I was properly telling somebody off in the car and it turned out they had a dash cam. And then it turned out that they were an atheist. And it turned out that they hated the church. And they decided to put it on Facebook for the whole world to see what the leader of Living Word Community Church is like. funny when you've got that level of accountability, you change the way you drive. <laughs> Imagine if that lady who hit my car walked into the back of church today and I'd really given her a good telling off because it was totally her fault and she's wasted hundreds of, hundreds of pounds and hours and it's really frustrating. I had every right to tell that woman off. But imagine, just imagine she was your friend and you brought her to the next message church and she meets me at the door and goes, no, not you. Oh, if you're what a Christian looks like, I'm not having any of that. Imagine if it was in this church. Imagine if we had a new believer. She saw the same thing. It's going to put us off, right? Patience is a funny one because I don't think you can necessarily choose patience, can you? Patience is, we're starting to get to the core of who you are. Which starts to make my point about if you're putting in the right things, when you don't have a choice what comes out, the right thing will come out because you put the right stuff in in the first place. <clears throat> the de dictionary definition of patience, I love this, the capacity, because <laughs> not everybody has capacity, to accept or tolerate delay, problems or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. 
love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. I'm going to start linking these up now because we're running out of time. But they are closely linked, aren't they, if you think about it? Kindness and goodness. A dictionary definition of kindness would be the quality of being friendly, generous, or considerate. Whereas the dictionary definition of goodness would be the quality of being morally good or virtuous. Now, if you didn't know my song, maybe you're not too familiar with the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe you're not too familiar with just before this. In Galatians 5, 19 to 21, it talks about the fruit of the flesh. It doesn't use that exact language, but it's a comparable. Being sexual immorality, anger, prone to outbursts. You can see how these are the opposites of the fruits of the Spirit. If you live by the world and you put that worldly stuff in, when you're under pressure, guess what's going to come out the other side? Angry outbursts, okay? Sexual immorality, lying, deception. You can choose to be kind. You can choose to be good. Do you know the thing about goodness, I guess, is that only you are going to know. Only you are going to know. When you go home, you lock your front door, only you're going to know what movie you're watching. Only you're going to know what you put in the offering basket. Do you know that was a condition when I came here? I said, whatever you do, I don't want to know who gives. I don't want to know who tithes, and I don't want to know how much. Because to me, every single one of you here is equal. Every single one of you. And because I'm human, I'm flawed. Maybe if I found out somebody tithed and only wanted 10 minutes of my time, I'd be inclined to do that. Maybe if somebody didn't tithe but wanted 10 hours of my time a week, maybe I'd be inclined to go, hey, I'm being real. I promised you last week, for those who were here last week, I'm promising you. Which is why I made a choice to be kind. I made a choice to be good. If I don't know those things, then I can never be accused, can I, of, of choosing this person over this person because of their generosity or their kindness or their goodness. <clears throat> Faithfulness is also a choice. It's just quality of being faithful or fidelity, especially in this world. The idea of being faithful in a relationship seems absurd outside of the church. I think I would struggle to find a non-Christian friend who either hasn't cheated on their partner or been cheated on by their partner. How sad, and I know hundreds, hundreds of people. I mean, I have over 500 Facebook friends, okay? That's not to mention all the real friends I have too. And I would struggle to find somebody who'd actually been faithful in their relationship. Inside the church, that is different. And that is an amazing testimony, guys. It is an amazing testimony because when they outside are looking in, these are the things, these pressure points, they are the things that they're looking for. Okay? It's also part of our testimony that we, some of us, will mess up. Okay? It is, I'm not, I don't know, luckily, actually I don't know anyone in this place who's had an affair. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. But that's part of your testimony too, is that you fell and Jesus still loves you. There's no judgment or condemnation in these examples, Okay? I'm just saying, the more we put in of the good stuff, the more of the good stuff that's going to come out. Do we agree with that? We want to see the fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness. Sometimes this can be, well, it's the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. Not to be confused with being a wuss. As any of you who may have got to know me over these last 15 months, I've been described. I had a teddy bear once for family service. I think it was you that was winding me up. I had a teddy bear here, and somebody came to me and went, Seriously, you? Ricky, you've got a teddy bear. I said, But you're like a proper man's man. So, yeah, but I can still be tender. I can still be tender. Being a man doesn't mean I have to be angry, covered in tattoos, and fighting in glass with people in the pub on a Friday night. Being gentle also doesn't make me a wuss doesn't make me a wimp, doesn't mean I'm a wilting flower. I am a man's man. I am a manly man. And I have no apology for that. But I can still be gentle and I can still be kind. Self-control. We don't talk about this as Christians as much as we should. 
Of course, you can do different things when you go with self-control, can't you? You can immediately jump to what we always think of, which is things like sexual sin, anger, making good and bad choices, right? That's what we think of in terms of self-control. What happens if I said to you Bible study? Bible study is part of self-control. Maybe if I change the word slightly and called it self-discipline instead. Instead of putting on the new Game of Thrones series, okay? I probably will watch that because I, I love that series. It's full of rubbish content. I've trained myself over the years to look away at certain points because I don't want those images in my head. But what's my priority? Is my priority watching the latest box set? Or is my priority getting into the word? Because if I feed myself the word, what's going to come out when I react? What's going to come out when I speak? The word is going to come out. So yeah, self-control, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you, it's not my place. If there is a sin in your life, I am absolutely convinced you know what it is. I don't have to. That's between you and Jesus. But when it comes to self-control, you will fail, because we all will. We all fail on all of these things, okay? That's the, the good news we're going to go home with, okay? We're all destined to fail, but you're all destined to try. And because we are constantly being infilled by the Holy Spirit, we are constantly watering that plant, because if we don't water the plant, or if we feed it with the wrong stuff, it will die. Now that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect plants. I did a little bit of, um, just in closing, a little bit of research. I love, I love Dr. Google. Um, he's a great theologian as well. Sometimes there are just great websites where great men and women of God have spent days and weeks and months and years collating these wonderful lists of scriptures and finding connections between this part of the Bible and that part of the Bible. And, and I love doing those things. I also love Googling them to save me the hours and days and weeks and months of doing them myself. So this morning, I felt convinced to do this. Um, it's like a page and a half long. It's going to take me about two minutes to read and then we'll close. I googled how should Christians handle one another and it kicked up 25 Bible verses. One was a little bit tenuous so I replaced it. So I did do some work. This wasn't just a Google search. Okay. The first one is the one I replaced. It says Matthew 25, 40. I've said it's a really good place to start. Jesus will say, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, you did for me. So if you want to come and ask me later, how should I be handling my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? I'm going to tell you the way Jesus handled you and the way you handled Jesus. Simple as that, right? So you're going to treat everybody now the way you treat Jesus. Faithfully, honestly, kindly, gently. Oh, hang on, that rings a bell, doesn't it? Yeah, you got it. You got it. The pennies just dropped. You got it. Fruits of the Spirit. John 13, 14. I'll tell you what, I'm going to read the scriptures. Maybe I'll get Chrissy to send this out. Is that okay? We can do that. Uh, I'm just going to read this. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. If you know this story, you know that they used to wear sandals on roads full of horse poo. Okay? No simple as way of that. So you'd walk into my house, I would have my trainee, junior, lowest of lowest servant wash your feet because I didn't want horse poo all around my house. So when Jesus got down, he put himself in the lowest of lowest of lowest of lowest of lowest positions and said, let me wash your feet. Let me wash away all your horse poo. Let me wash away all your rubbish. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. Very similar to that first one, right? By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you choose to love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. 
accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. We think this is praise, right? And it is. Musical praise has too big a place in the church. There are other forms of praise. What this is saying is how you treat one another is also praise to God. I myself am convinced, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, complete in knowledge and contentment to instruct one another. We haven't had to do much of that recently. I wonder how you react when we start instructing one another. You know what that means? It means that when one of your brothers or sister goes wrong, you actually have a responsibility to go and say, my friend, what are you doing? You do it with kindness and you do it with compassion, but you bring correction, you bring instruction. If they don't listen to you, this is Matthew 18, by the way, if they don't listen to you, you go and get two of your other friends and you again go with kindness and compassion and you say, they saw this too. This isn't judgment, this isn't condemnation, this is saying, we love you and we want you to stop hurting yourself. If they still don't listen, come begging, please come and tell one of the elders or wives so that we might go to them and say, Please stop hurting yourself and cause damage to yourself in this way. There's no judgment here. There's no condemnation. It's like the opposite to gossip. Don't get the two things confused. I don't like the way you reacted to me the other day, so I'm going to tell the whole church that you're a monster. That is not what this says. But maybe one day you'll have to do that. Maybe one day you'll have to receive that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All churches of Christ send their greetings. I'm not suggesting we start kissing each other. I go for a fist bump, okay? With the kids, the kids seem to be fond of a high five, handshakes, hugs. But greet one another. Do you know how warm it is if you've had a really horrible week and you feel like the whole world has rejected you and you walk into a safe place like this and somebody just gives you a hug and says, I love you. I've missed you. Or a handshake or a fist bump or a high five. It means you're here and I noticed. Have you ever heard that before? You're here and I noticed. It's the warmest feeling you'll ever have in the world. I dare you husbands and wives go home and not greet each other when one or two of you walks into the house. It's an odd feeling. Don't say goodbye to one another when you leave. It's an even odder feeling. If I walked out, if I was with my mum yesterday, if I walked out from my mum's house not to see her for another couple of weeks and I didn't say goodbye, I don't think I'd get to the end of the road before she rang me. How dare you not say goodbye to me? It's odd, right? Well, it's going to be even odder if I walk into her house and don't even say hello to her. Think about that. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I have totally run out of time and I'm abusing your afternoons now, so I'm sorry. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That in itself is a sermon. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgiven you. Speak to one another. Well, we could do this, guys. Can we do this more? Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I love it when somebody sends me a message going, I read my Bible this morning and this made me think of you. Or somebody hands me a card, somebody did that a few weeks ago, and it just had an encouraging few words on it. I love that. Let's speak to each other in hymns and spiritual songs. Let's encourage one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. There you go. can see that one coming. But encourage one another daily. As long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sins deceitfulness. Another way of saying that is don't let the sun go down on your anger, right? We know that one. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, 
as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do not slander one another. That's hard. If you're going to say something against one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, you better make sure it's true. And I mean wholly true. Not partially true. Not your interpretation of events. Wholly true. Do not slander one another. This was Jesus' brother said this. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic as brothers. Be compassionate and be humble. Do you know, for a series in my life, for a season in my life, all I could pray, all I could pray was, Jesus, I'm sorry. And then when I got a little bit stronger, I built up my my spiritual muscles. It transformed. It was revolutionary because it became Jesus. I'm sorry, but make me a better man for you. At that point, I had no knowledge of the Holy Spirit. If I did, that's what I'd have been asking for, is through your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to be a better man for you. Let me pray for you. We're going to go. We're going to have teas and coffees. We do need to leave by quarter past one. So we've got a good half an hour to socialise and love one another. We'll release the kids and stuff so they, they know the kids' workers. But Holy Spirit, we, we asked you at the beginning of this meeting to come and to minister to us. And we thank you for the truth that you've given us. Jesus, we thank you for your words. And Father, we thank you for your acceptance. We thank you for sending your son Jesus so that all these things can be true. All these things can be true, but Holy Spirit, without you, we are lost. We are weak and we can't do these things. Our heart's desire is to come to know you more and to be more like you. Holy Spirit, come and touch the hearts and the minds and the lives of each one of us again this week so that we might experience more love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, both outwardly to our fellow brothers and sisters, to the wider world, to our neighbours, to our work colleagues, but also so that we might receive those things too and be handled more gently, handled more kindly. Feel that joy. Feel that love, your love, your perfect love. But Holy Spirit, come, wash over us and empower us now. In Jesus' name, amen.